Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. This is episode uh, number eight of our third season, and The Storytellers debuted this year uh, on the Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministries. We premiere the show on Wednesdays at 6 p.m., and then it will premiere on my uh, YouTube page at youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi at 6 15. The radio version is produced for the third year by the Living Bread Radio Network, and it airs on their uh, 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 network of stations, and it also airs on several other stations here uh, in the Midwest. I want to remind you to follow the program, if you will, on Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow it at The Storytellers. And don't forget, while you're there, follow me at Tony Agnesi on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And while you're at YouTube, check out my new Five Minutes with Tony series. We have 24 of those posted so far, and we post two new ones each week on Monday and Thursday. Just some reflections on everyday life. Each week on the uh, program, we feature an uh, inspirational guest, and we discuss not only their personal faith and career journeys, but the ministries they share as both authors, speakers, bloggers, radio and television hosts, and uh, today um, is no exception to that. Tony Kolink is a retired lieutenant colonel from the United States Air Force uh, Judge Advocate General Corps, spent 21 years doing that, and he's the author of The Harwood Mysteries, and it is a medieval historical uh, fiction series, and it's geared for youth, and it's published by Loyola Press. Tony's uh, uh, full-time job is as a law professor and appellate uh, uh, advocacy. In addition, he writes a legal column uh, on Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and he writes and speaks uh, all over the place. And uh, Tony, wonderful having you with us. Thank you for joining us here on The Storytellers. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. I have a I have a hard time uh, of, of being as I am of connecting this this legal guy with writing historical fiction. Tell me a little bit about the Harwood Mysteries and how they came about. Well, the Harwood Mysteries it's a uh, currently a trilogy. We'll see if it goes on beyond there. Um, but it's published by Loyola Press, and uh, as you mentioned, it takes place in 12th century England. It's really historical fiction for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it's about a boy uh, named Zan and his uh, best friend, Lucy. And they wind up at a, a location called Harwood Abbey, which is in Yorkshire, England. Uh, and they wind up having to go on different adventures, solve some spooky mysteries. 
and at the same time, they're sort of dealing with various uh, coming-of-age type themes, uh, such as, you know, what is, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? What does God want from me? And and actually, especially Zan has some pretty bad things happen to him. Um, so he's also struggling uh, with, you know, with things like why do bad things happen to uh, to good people and you know, forgiveness and, and themes like that. Um, the first book, actually, I'll show you the cover, is, uh, is out already, um, Shadow in the Dark. And uh, the other two books are due for release in uh, 2021. And so we're uh, excited about that. What's it like, re uh, you know, releasing a book in July with uh, COVID <laughs> and all of those things going on? That would trying not... <laughs> trying to get it to middle school guys to, to read it. That would not have been my first choice, but um, but God has a greater plan, I'm sure. Um, and Loyola Press has a great plan too, and they've uh, they've been spectacular at, at rolling this out in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, you know, you just kind of throw up your hands. You know, you can't choose uh, some of these things, and and you just trust that you know it'll work out the way it's supposed to work out. Now, were you intrigued with England and historical times, medieval times as a kid growing up? And did you spend any time there? So, you know, as you reference this in your, in your books? You know, I come from a family of Italian immigrants, mostly, you know, came through Ellis Island back in the early 1900s. So I don't really know why I would be some sort of an Anglophile, because I don't really have any English blood in me. But for some reason, probably just because I grew up in the United States, um, you know, I, I, learning about English history uh, has always been fascinating to me. And, and this particular time where I placed the books in uh, the late 12th century, there is all sorts of really cool historical uh, events going on. You know, we've got, we're about 15 years after the martyrdom of St. Thomas a Becket with King Henry II, who is still, you know, in the, the you know, final years of his reign. Um, we've got the Third Crusade that is about to start up in a, just a few years. In fact, um, you know, if I keep writing in this series, my, uh, my main character might wind up in that crusade if I can get him there. And uh, St. Francis and St. Dominic are just around the corner, about 10 to 15 years. You know, I mean, there's just all sorts of great uh, things going on both in England and throughout all of uh, Christendom, really. Mm -hmm. And through your books, there's this, uh, the, you know, the underlying uh, pinning of faith and Catholicism and dealing with gratitude and forgiveness. And some of the questions that young people ask, uh, I I'm sure you're aware of the statistics, Tony, about, uh, you know, over half of the people under the age of 30 are now claiming to have no uh, religious affiliation, and, it, and it's something that is of concern to to me, and and in terms of you know fatherhood and so forth. Um, how important do you think getting this message to, especially to young guys, is? It's it's incredibly important, and uh, to 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 young um, boys and girls, really. The series is is meant to reach beyond, um, even though my main character is a boy, you know, it's meant to reach beyond that. And I'm actually a father of five. I actually have three grandkids, believe it or not. Um, and, uh, and this is near and dear to my heart also, what you were talking about. Um, in my other job as a, a law professor, I actually write a lot about religious liberty issues and the First Amendment and, um, and, and how, you know, our culture has sort of eroded the place of religion even in the, the legal um, field um, and uh, although with the new Supreme Court uh, continuing to get 
stronger, we might see some, some good cases continued in that area. But uh, the point is, you're right, this is a, a very important time. And that's really one of the reasons I wanted to have this series out there. I wanted it to be there for um, not just Catholic kids either, frankly, because uh, this book takes place, the series takes place in the 12th century. So we're 300 years before the Protestant Reformation. There really was no other uh, Western form of Christianity uh, at this time. And so I actually have had, um, you know, Protestant readers who, and uh, kids, you know, love the series too, and, and, their, and their parents like it also. Um, and, and frankly, uh, it's not even meant to be a purely religious book. I mean, it takes place in an abbey, and there are, uh, you know, at that time, you know, there is a lot of religious stuff going on. Um, but, but really, it's, it's meant to be just a book for uh, young people and a series for young people. Um, and I, I would hope that any, any young person could you know, relate to the themes that are in the book. And important themes they are as well. So here you are, I mean, you're, you're with the Judge Advocate General Corps and I know you teach law and I know you write a lot. How do you go from that kind of writing, which I'm sure is very technical and very, you know, to, to being a fiction writer and then, and then zeroing in on the specifics of, you know, of kids in that, in that middle school, early high school age? Sure. Well, you'd be surprised how many lawyers are closet novelists. I've been uh, shocked at, you know, the number of people I come across that when I mention that I'm, I'm a writer also, they have like novels that they've written also, some of which are, you know, in work, some of them are published, some are not. Um, you know, I think there's something about lawyers and writing because we're so tied to writing as part of our um, trade. And because so much of our writing is a little bit more formal, you know, um, I just think it may be a creative release uh, for, for, for a lot of lawyers. And for me, I always wanted to write, I mean, as a teenager, I have some very horrendously written stories, you know, that were knockoffs of Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings uh, that I still have stuffed in the closet somewhere. So I've been writing my whole life. And, um, but the reason this series came together, honestly, um, I mean, obviously I, I, I thank God and, and Loyola Press for, for really finding this and, and making it work. But uh, the reason I really focused on this age group was because I did have children who were in their teenage years um, and uh, we were a homeschooling family. Like, like you mentioned, I write a legal column for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. I still do now. Um, so, you know, it was important to me to want to have what I would almost want to call good literature for um, teenagers, but modern literature, something that is like the Harry Potter series, but that a, a family that might, you know, have more, uh, you know, religious or family values um, would feel even more comfortable with than Harry Potter. Although, frankly, I, I think Harry Potter has a lot of um, very good things in it. But, um, yeah, so that's how I focused on this particular series. Shadow in the Dark is the uh, title of the first book in the in the series called The Harwood Mysteries. Uh, Anthony Col Colenk is my guest, and Tony uh, um, is, is published by uh, Loyola Press. And uh, books should be available just about everywhere. It came out in July. How are things going so far uh, with the series? Well, I think so far they're going great. Um, Loyola, as I said, has been fabulous. I couldn't have asked for a better publisher to, to put this series out. Um, in fact, right before we went on the air today, uh, their marketing people sent me some statistics from their, you know, Facebook ads. And I mean, so they're very active. Um, and, and frankly, the... Uh, 
the head of Loyola was recently interviewed and she said the sales were robust. So that sounds good. I don't know. Yeah, robust is a good sound. Robust is a good word. So I, I liked hearing that. And, and they know that this is a series too. And I think um, the hope is going to be, especially as we come out of the pandemic and the other books start coming out, um, that, you know, I can tell you what my hope is that, uh, that the series is going to be used in schools. Frankly, uh, Loyola has great curricula that they market to both private, uh, Catholic, and, and public schools. And so there's like a natural channel there. And, you know, homeschoolers, Catholic schoolers especially, I think this would be a great series to complement their, you know, history or English curriculum. And so what I'm really hoping is that parents, you know, of kids in this age group will start, you know, reading the book and say, you know what, this would be great. We should really have this in our classroom and telling their teachers about it. I mean, I think that would achieve what I really wrote the series for. You know, I wanted it to get in the hands of young people who were going to be dealing with these kinds of issues, but wanted a really good, fun, kind of spooky story to deal with in the process. And we know also that, you know, maybe a year or two from now, somebody reads the second or third book, uh, they and they enjoy it. Uh, they have a tendency to go back and, you know, and read the, uh, read the first and second. So the sales kind of for each book kind of increase as the as the new one in a series comes out that's been the case with you know with the nonfiction that i write but as as each book comes out it kind of spawns some some new interest in in what was written before that's the hope tony on the show i like to kind of uh you know since the show's the storytellers i like to find out some personal stories as well obviously you're a member of the catholic writers guild and and uh and have a strong faith. And I really would like if you'd take a few minutes, if you could, and just kind of share with us your faith journey uh, uh, growing up and uh, to, to today. Sure, well, I grew up in New Jersey um, as a cradle Catholic, really. Uh, my mother was, uh, I would say, my strongest faith influence. She was the one that brought the kids to church and this type of thing. I went to Catholic schools for uh, elementary school and an all boy Salesian Catholic high school in Patterson, New Jersey, which is no longer there, unfortunately, Don Bosco Tech. Um, but, uh, but so I, you know, I, I kind of grew up around Catholicism and I was involved in youth groups and this type of thing. And, um, you know, when I was in my uh, late teens, um, two things happened. Number one is um, I started having children and uh, my wife and I, um, you know, had a uh, two of our kids, I think, uh, by the time we were 20, basically. And uh, at that same time, I also fell away from the Catholic Church. I actually started going, uh, my wife and I started going to a, uh, a Bible church, uh, like a born-again Christian kind of situation. And as much as I'd grown up in the church, um, and you would think I would have understood a lot of it, I really don't think I really was connecting with it or, or fully appreciated it. And so uh, my journey sort of left the church for a few years and um and i'm not sure maybe i'd still be uh gone from the church except i i took a job um, probably when i was about 20 um and was working with this guy who was a, a strong catholic in his 20s also and i was like you know what i'm gonna you know i'm gonna start having a conversation with this guy and, and i'm gonna convert him uh, so he could see the error of his ways um, and so we sort of started having a dialogue, and he introduced me to the Apostolic Fathers and to history, to a, a book by Carl Keating that Catholic Answers puts out called uh, Catholicism and Fundamentalism or something like that. Mm -hmm. And when I started, you know, reading on my own 
and, 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 you know, opening my mind and my heart a little bit, I realized that actually um, my road had no choice but to come back to the church. Because really, once you know church history, it's hard to, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to stay away at that point, uh, you know, because history doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise. And so I did come back to the church. Um, around that same time I joined uh, the Air Force and uh, you know and it's been a rocky struggle Uh, you know um, faith is always an up and down thing and life throws a lot of curveballs at us and I think that might be another reason why um, you know I I like the the series that I'm writing here is because it allows my characters to kind of struggle a little bit with their faith Mm -hmm. also um, you know when bad things happen I forgot to mention my father actually died when I was in uh, seventh grade, uh, very young, he was 57. And so I also sort of grew up, you know, my teen years without a father. Um, And so, you know, all of us suffer loss in in some way or other. And I think that, you know, has impacted how I write and even, um, you know, how I've written this series. um, Because I think, frankly, all of our kids nowadays, you know, they're dealing with some sort of loss in their lives, whether it's the loss of a parent to death or loss of parents to divorce or just loss of friends or moving around. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's we a have portable concept. 40 million kids in the United States with no um, father figure or father in the household. And in the African American community, it's almost 80%. And, and these are situations that, you know, you, you learn on the street instead of uh, as you should from, uh, from that, father or father figure, uh, you know, in your life. So it's, it's very, very uh, important. Well, I know you're involved in homeschooling too. So your wife, your wife was, must have something to do with this uh, to, to, to do that. Tell us how that all came about. And, I, and now with COVID and everything, we've got a lot of people who are being introduced to homeschooling. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's, you know, just like that, we're all homeschoolers all overnight. But, uh, but my youngest is actually now a sophomore in college. And so uh, my, our, our homeschooling days are, are basically over, um, although I still write the column for the homeschooling magazine. Uh, but yeah, my wife was extremely influential. Uh, she is my, um, my strongest critic, uh, as you might imagine, uh, as any, any good wife would be. And uh, so whenever I have some, some new thing I'm writing, and, I, and if I think it's amazing and just eye-wateringly good, I just have to let her read it. And then um, she, uh, she disabuses me of that. And I say that sort of with, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, but the reality is I can't tell you how much I've, I've modified my stories and even in this series um, through her input. And frankly, um, the other person who's had uh, the most influence on the series is my son, uh, who is now in his 20s. Um, but, you know, he was sort of around at the beginning when I was writing it also. And he gave me a lot of great, um, great feedback and great ideas. In fact, the third book, um, I entirely changed the ending after I previewed the ending to him and his response was, Dad, you can't end the book this way. You need to change this. And then I, I did that. And again, he has really uh, you know, keen senses, uh, you know, just an appreciation for art and, and storytelling himself. And so uh, even now, I, I, you know, I, I let him read my writing and, and, and he still gives me great feedback. Whenever I interview uh, writers, uh, a lot of times I'll get questions afterwards, and it's like, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, for the young aspiring writers out there, or old aspiring writers, um, you know, they have this story in their mind, right? 
how, how do you, what are some of the things you have to do to get it from here uh, onto paper, Tony? Well, you know, what I like to tell young people, because I've got a pile of unfinished manuscripts, both from my teenage, 20s, 30s, 40s, you name it, I've got unfinished manuscripts, and, and so do most authors, um, because we all want to write the great American novel, it seems. Um, I actually like to encourage young people to write short stories, because when they write short stories, they can hone their writing skills, and they can actually see the end of the story and get it accomplished. Um, and frankly, short stories are, are very interesting. In fact, I just wrote one for an anthology that uh, Catholic Teen Books is putting out um, next year for St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really appreciate the ability to, you know, write something in a, you know, a short stint. And, you know, for young people, it's too easy to get discouraged, I think. And so if they take on the big novel, you know, many of them won't get it done. And then they may kind of fall away from writing because they just get discouraged. So... Mm -hmm. I would say start with some short stories, read some books on the craft. You know, none of us, or most of us are not natural writers. As much as I thought I was a great writer, uh, my friends in the Catholic Writers Guild over the years have really taught me how to write fiction. And, uh, and it turns out that I didn't know all that much after all when I started, and, uh, and I'm still learning now. So don't, you know, don't be discouraged. You just gotta keep going, find other writers to, um, you know, to encourage you. Um, I like the fact that I'm in the Catholic Writers Guild because these are other people who also appreciate, you know, that you know, a lot of us are writing for varied purposes, including, you know, um, just trying to use the talents God gave us. Um, so find, find other people um, and, and read and don't get discouraged. Yeah. You know, my uh, storyteller series started out, um, I didn't know how I could ever write a book. And somebody once said to me, can you write 750 or a thousand words? And I go, yeah, well, just write 50, do that 50 times and you can, you've got That's a book right. and, and uh, three books later. Um, and I'm not much of a writer at all. Uh, just ask anybody who's edited anything of mine. There's generally more red ink than black, but uh, <laughs> we we get it done and, and get through it. You know, I, on the subject of homeschooling, I had one question. With everything going on now in education and with the political climate and so forth, do you see anything that, that may be important to note about um, about homeschooling in terms of uh, the law and legal parts of that? I know that's a part of your expertise. Yeah, I mean, well, thankfully in the United States, homeschooling is legal in every state and, and through various lobbying organizations such as the Homeschool Legal Defense um, Association, you know, we've really blown open the doors um, on homeschooling and, and legality in this country um, in the last 50 years. And so the good news is pretty much anyone can homeschool anywhere with a high degree of freedom. And, uh, and so that's, that's great. Um, there also are a lot of public schools going online. I know Florida, where uh, my family and I lived um, some of the time, is, uh, you know, Florida Virtual School was one of the early schools out there. And it's really, it's a public online school. And so some homeschoolers use it, their kids stay home and do it. And, you know, some people say, well, that's not really homeschooling because you've got teachers out there who are teaching your kids. But, um, but it's more like homeschooling than not like homeschooling. And, um, and there's a lot of that out there, too. Um, so there's just so many opportunities for parents. And, and it's not like the old days where you had to have, you know, even a parent staying home, you know, from work. Now there's so much flexibility in doing these things that, 
uh, you can really, you know, as we are now finding out, right, you can fit this into your lifestyle no yeah. matter how it is. Yeah, we've, we've been forced to, to, to make that accommodation. Uh, Tony, uh, tell us, uh, tell our uh, viewers and listeners where they can uh, see more on you, uh, websites and, and, and social media and so forth. Where can they uh, not only find out more about uh, the uh, shadow in the dark, but also about you and, and some of the other work you're doing? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, the good news is my name is very unique, right? Anthony Colang, no H in Anthony. Um, there's not too many people out there with that name. And so you can Google me and find just about everything you need. I have a website, antonycolank.com. I have Twitter and Instagram and uh, some Facebook pages for the Harwood Mysteries and also a separate author page. So all those things are out there. Um, and so it's not hard to find. Uh, the books are, of course, available not only through Loyola, but on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and christianbook.com and all sorts of places. But I always like to put a plug in for your local Catholic bookstore because we know how much they're hurting. And uh, I would love to see my book on their shelves. And I would love to see anybody who wants to buy it, go to your local Catholic bookstore and just ask them to get you a copy and to stock it. And um, it's kind of a win-win because, uh, you know, they are definitely struggling with COVID also. And already, you know, bookstores across the board, but Catholic bookstores especially have, have been struggling over the years. So. Why not, you know, give them our business too? And our radio uh, broadcast is uh, sponsored in part by catholicbook.net. And I know whenever we have an author on, they try to make sure they stock that book. And, and it's a great opportunity for um, our listeners to do exactly what you said, is to get the book, but also be supporting their local uh, Catholic bookstore or catholicbook.net in this, uh, in this instance. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Tony, I realized, I, let me wrap back around to one of your earlier questions that I didn't fully answer. You asked about if I ever traveled to, uh, to England. Yeah. Um, and I actually did back in 2015, I was teaching a, a class in France for the summer and I decided, uh, at the, uh, whatever ripe age of 40 something to decide to finally do my college years where I would go traipsing about the UK staying in hostels. And that's exactly what I did for two weeks. I went, uh, and visited all the places that I was writing about, you know, in Yorkshire and in Lincoln and, um, you know, uh, went to Ireland and Scotland and uh, just really, um, you know, to the abbeys. Of course, they're all in ruins. I mean, because uh, after uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, the English abbeys, you know, the places that I'm writing about don't exist anymore except in ruins because they were destroyed uh, after the Protestant Reformation began and there was such conflict in England between Catholics and Protestants, but, um, but you can still go and see the ruins. And, um, you know, and, and I learned a lot just by being there in person. It was a lot of fun. And, and I like to sometimes post, thankfully I took a lot of pictures while I was on there. So I like to post those types of throwback Thursday, you know, photos from my, my research tour, as I call it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Tony, this has been a fun half hour. And for those people, I mean, I know we have a lot of teachers that listen to us. We have a lot of grandparents that listen to us. What a wonderful series that you can introduce uh, your kids to, your, your grandkids to. It's the Harwood Mysteries uh, Medieval Historical Fiction Series for young people. It's published by Loyola Press. Their very first book came out here just a, a while back in July called Shadow in the Dark. And uh, Tony Kolnick, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Nice to, nice to finally meet after these years as uh, members of the Catholic Writers Guild. 
Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure being on your show. I appreciate the time. For more information about those books, uh, you can visit uh, TonyAgnesi.com. We'll have links to all of uh, Anthony's uh, material as well. And don't forget to visit my YouTube page at youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, the program premieres at 6 p.m. on Wednesday evenings on YouTube at, at the Fiat Ministry Network and at Patchwork Heart Ministries. You can also get it at TonyAgnesi.com or on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi. And be sure while you're there to subscribe and check out 5 Minutes with Tony as well. The radio program is produced by the Living Bread Radio Network and airs on Sunday at 4 p.m. Check your listings for the location near you. Stories uh, program is also available on the storytellersradio.com and later in the week at the uh, Catholic podcasting site, breadboxmedia.com. This is Tony Agnesi. God bless you. We'll see you next time with another edition of the Storytellers. Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and His Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry at P.O. Box 563 Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147 or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147, or online at patchworkheart.org.